0: Hey podcasters, I'm Jill McCormick and I'm Robin Wall and this is Afraid Not episode number 21, which is interesting because our guest today just turned
1: 21. That's right, 21's the magic number today and you all, this special guest is so near and dear to my heart. This is my daughter, Emily Wall and she is sharing her story with us today and sharing a conversation of hope and encouragement, particularly for college students, so it's a great conversation for anyone to listen to, but our focus today, we're thinking of those college students that are just setting out, and we would love to encourage their beginning of their college journey.
0: There's going to be something for everyone, though. She also talks a lot about discipleship and mentoring, which are her passions, and what it's like to to go through different kinds of transitions. And one of the things
1: that was really impacting for me in our conversation was Emily's definition of discipleship, which she learned from the girl who mentored her freshman year, and that is that it is just living life on life. It's not someone who's got everything figured out. It's just someone who's walking one step ahead of you. I think that's a beautiful picture of what God wants us to be involved in in our own Christian walks that we have someone ahead of us helping us, and we're helping someone one step behind. So um, as we start listening, we just hope you enjoy this conversation with Emily Wall on Afraid Not. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Afraid Not. Hey, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for coming. And it's really an honor to have, since you're my daughter, I'm really grateful that you're being willing to come and be on your mom's podcast. Thanks a lot.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I've gotten to listen to quite a few of the episodes, so it's fun to be on the microphone this time instead. Great. And our we're... poor
0: family gets drug into our stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we hope that the people that are listening to this, this is a great episode for you to not only listen to yourself, but also to find the college students in your life that your friends or family members or their kids going off to college. This is um, hopefully going to be something that this conversation will bless and encourage and help them as they're getting ready for college right now. So Emily, why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and let
0: our
2: listeners know who you are, what makes you tick? All right. Well, um, I am a rising senior at OBU this year. Go with Crip.
0: I'm just kidding. I can't. I
1: mean, you I can. can. People don't know what we're talking about, that's the really fun OBU, kind of like the callback that everybody knows. That but it's really long. Do it. Oh,
0: okay. Do it? Can you do it fast? Do it fast.
1: Career, correct. So Curve Oh, oh, ring to link to high time. It's not a piece of stuff. Chink to lock, chink to link to a clock of victory. Oh, oh, chink to do a Right, take a meal. Come Let it rip, let it rip. Sing it. Take a turn. Okay. Over you. Okay. That was not in the plan, but that was fun.
0: (laughs) Only went there one year and I still know it.
1: (laughs) It's memorable, that's for sure.
2: Um, Okay, so you're saying, and and you just had a birthday. I did. I'm 21, so that's new and exciting. Um, But I'm a rising senior and I'm a secondary English ed major with a Spanish minor. (laughs) Oh yeah. So all the literature, all the books, writing, all that kind of stuff. It's up my alley for sure. Math is not, so I'm glad I don't have to do that Mm -hmm. anymore.
1: (laughs) And your Spanish minor, that's probably a lot of fun for you to get to use in your daily life. As soon as you, any chance you have to speak Spanish to people, right? Oh, yes. I look
2: for every chance I can speak Spanish. Um, I have friends on campus that I'll talk to sometimes in Spanish. And if I go to a Mexican restaurant,
0: I always (laughs) try to find the Spanish waiter and...
2: And you just got home from a place you got to speak Spanish. Yes, yes. I just got back from Colombia yesterday, actually. So I'm really passionate about international ministry and doing things with people from other countries. And I speak Spanish, so Spanish is where I tend to land um, when it comes to going to certain areas of the world. So I've been to Spain, I've been to Colombia, I've been to Mexico, Guatemala, Mm -hmm. Nicaragua. Um, And I'm really passionate about going there and using Spanish. So if you don't know a language or if you're interested in learning one, I highly recommend Spanish.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so what are you planning to do with those? Like, what are you, what does it look like for you after this year?
2: After this yeah. year? I mean, it's that's the scary question that I'm mm-hmm. coming up. Here comes the cliff. Yeah, I'm coming to the edge of the mountain, and <laughs> yes. now I need to decide. Um, but I would like to start teaching when I graduate at high school. I'd love to be a high school English teacher. Um, and then if I'm able to teach lower-level Spanish, I would really enjoy that. But I also am not a native speaker, and I know that native speakers tend to be better Spanish teachers than non-native, but it sure would be fun. Um, so I'm planning to teach uh, when I graduate. That sounds cool. wonderful.
1: And I think, I mean, Jill and I are both educators, and Jill's also a counselor now, and has she's had different roles in the school system, but we both think that you're going to do great in the school system. You're going to make a big difference for kids. And I love thinking about all the lives that you're going to touch in the classroom someday. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. I'm hopeful to do that. So so I was, was wondering if you would start our interview today with the move to Owasso, Oklahoma, when you were just an incoming freshman. And how did that feel for your life? That was in 2012. And just talk
2: about... Maybe some things that God taught you in your life at that time. Yeah, so that was a really interesting time of transition for me um, because I was the oldest child at the time. and Well, actually, at the time. always have been. Um, <laughs> but I was in eighth grade, and my parents trusted me to tell me that they were thinking about moving and in the process of praying about moving to a new church. And I knew that for a year, and I wasn't able to tell anyone. And so I couldn't tell any friends. I couldn't tell any church members especially, because that Mm -hmm. would get out and people would know we were leaving, and it wasn't for sure. And so I just had to hold that in my heart, and it really influenced how I saw people and my friends because every time I would go to a church event or a friend's birthday party, in my head would be ringing, this might be the last time, this might be the last Mm -hmm. time. But the Lord used that so much because I started to see people as more... um, important and it wasn't about if people remembered me and it wasn't about how people saw Emily Wall. It was, it was important if they knew Jesus and that if I when I left that they remembered that I loved Jesus and it didn't matter if it was just she did choir or she was involved in band or because I was in middle school, thank goodness. I'm not <laughs> playing the oboe anymore but <laughs> um, it was more of an eternal purpose that mattered and that shaped a lot how I saw my identity and that summer my eighth grade summer, I gave my heart to ministry and I didn't know what that would look like. Um, but I saw the importance of sharing the gospel and the importance of living a gospel-centered life for the first time in a fresh way. And that was when my faith really began to come become my own um, as far as how I lived outside of my house, mm-hmm. So, which comes in important in the story later. So,
1: Let's do I mean, just keep on telling us from that point in your life, walk us through what happened for you as you were growing from then from then on
2: well I had a lot of identity issues I really struggled to be confident in myself I was really insecure um and that was a a battle that I really wrestled with especially in middle school which middle Mm -hmm. school is just hard for everybody that's just what middle school is is, it is but it started for me in elementary school and it was a Mm -hmm. part of why I accepted Christ when I was really little and so and as I got into high school and started to be involved in things and wanted to live a gospel-centered life, it took me understanding that my identity was founded in Jesus and not in anything outside of that. And, and living in that identity is what has given me the confidence to walk in the paths that God has given me and by doing things that are leadership positions and being a, a world changer and living a life that, that impacts people. And that's what I pray that I get to do. Um, and so this summer, actually, Um, the Lord has given me some confirmation on what that call to ministry looks like for a long time. I thought it meant that I would live in a jungle somewhere and Mm -hmm. be a mystery. And I, you would tell me, mom, you're going to need your passport to
1: come visit me. And I Mm -hmm. would gulp and and whisper a prayer about trusting, trusting Jesus. And yeah.
0: So people that are afraid to be called into missions because they're going to have to go to Africa. You were excited about that.
2: Oh, I was ready. I was so ready. Um, And as I've gotten older, the Lord has changed my heart. Not that I care about that any less, but I I want to be an equipper. Um, I want to be someone who equips people to go. Um, I'm really passionate about women's ministry and discipleship. And that's where the Lord has me for these next couple years at least. And that's what he's revealed to me this summer. And I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to pour into young women and to teach people about what discipleship is and how... To live a life of discipleship because that's what we're called to do in scripture. And mm-hmm. often in our modern church, we just preach the evangelism train. Like we just talk about evangelism right. and sharing the gospel to lost people, which is so important. But if we just use evangelism, it's like we're paddling one side of the canoe and we're going in a circle. And the church doesn't go anywhere without discipleship. Mm-hmm. So, discipleship, for listeners who might not know, is walking life on life with people and teaching them what it means to follow Jesus. Um, and it's not like a book you can buy. It's not necessarily a curriculum to go through. But it's just learning through example and walking with someone through the hills and the valleys of their lives. Right. And I'm really passionate
1: about that. It's pretty fun to see the passion in your eyes and to see you as my child, who is now a woman, seeing that that God's put that in you. I see that. I praise the Lord for that. It's a pretty beautiful thing, I have to say. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And
0: evangelism is just step one. I mean, that's the first step.
2: Yeah. And then we
0: have to go beyond that and go deeper than that. So that's where discipleship comes in.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Because if someone accepts Christ and wants to follow Jesus, and they say, yes, they have the Holy Spirit, and that's great, and the Holy Spirit is enough, but also they don't know what to do with that. And we have to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's something that we grow in. It's Edifying and learning how to love Jesus and learning how to trust Him and read Scripture and all those spiritual disciplines that are so important to really tapping into the character of who God is. And we don't just naturally know how to do that. It takes learning and help from other people. And it's a lot more fun to live in the community of discipleship than just to figure it out by yourself.
1: I was wondering when you were a freshman in college, did anybody kind of take you under their wing and? Walk with you in discipleship. Is this
2: how you started learning about it? So it actually, it first began when I was in high school. I was mentored by my aunt, which was really sweet, and I got to be a mentor um, through our program called Ascend at our church, which was where I had a middle school student as a high schooler that I poured into and invested in on Sunday nights. And I'd say the first two years, it was fun, and I loved it, and I learned a lot about following Jesus. It was a lot more about checking boxes. But I also was learning how to disciple and how to care for somebody like that. And then my senior year, I got to disciple a girl who we clicked, and it carried into college a little bit of me just getting to walk through life with her and being someone she could call and praying together, and it was really sweet. Um, But then in college was where the Lord began to nurture this little discipleship plant, if you don't mind the metaphor, Um, because it... It was in college that I learned how important discipleship is and that's where my passion for it really began, um, looking back. And so there was a girl named Haley Belcher and she was a junior and I was a freshman. So Haley and I played on the same flag football team my freshman year. I was invited by a couple older girls and I thought, well, why not? I'm just gonna go for it. Um, And so we became friends and I just saw her around campus and got to have some conversations with her. And then she reached out to me and asked if I was interested in being discipled. And I said, that's something I've been praying about, but what does that mean for you? And so she explained that it would just be meeting once a week, life on life, and she would love to teach me how to Bible story and teach me how to, not even teach me, hold me accountable and just walk through life with me. And I said, absolutely, yes. And so we started meeting once a week. And as a freshman, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world <laughs> that a junior wanted to hang out with me um, and just me, not even just in a friend right. group, but just wanted to invest in me. Um, and so we started that relationship and we continued to meet weekly until, I, until she graduated. And now she's living in Brazil actually as a journeyman. Um, and so the journeyman is an IMB program where college students, or it doesn't even have to be a college student, a young person can go and spend two years in a country working and serving with, with missionaries who are in a place already serving. And so they're like back up. Mm-hmm. come and learn how to be machine, what that looks like. So, Tell us more about this
1: storying. You said one of the things Haley mentioned was we're going to use Bible storying. So
2: what does that sound like and look like? Oh, my goodness. Bible storying is so much fun. So it's a different way to study Scripture, and it's one that is really applicable and that you can take with you and use it anywhere. Um, because sometimes we go through Bible studies together, and it's more like a lesson, and you share with someone, and they listen, and then you might have discussion questions at the end. Right. But Bible story, and what you do is you take a story from Scripture, and you literally just tell it. But you don't have a paper. You recite it from memory, and you don't add anything or take anything away, but you tell the story. And then you ask questions about it, and the person who is listening answer, answers them. And so they basically lead the discussion and then you go from there. And so the main questions that we did every time were, who are the characters in this story? Just to kind of recap, Mm -hmm. who was in the story and what happened? So it solidifies in their brain what happened in the story. And then you ask, which character in the story did you identify most with? And so then they're thinking about the characters, their qualities, what happened to them um, and how they respond to what's going on in in the story. Uh, and then you can go through the four story questions of what does the story teach us about God? What does the story teach us about mankind? Is there a sin to avoid? And is there a promise to claim in the story? Isn't that so good?
0: It is. And it makes that story become more 3D more real. Yes, yes. Than exactly. just a story I read in the Bible and these are Bible characters and yada yada on the storyboard, felt board at BBS. Like it's they become real people.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. And it's so cool what kind of answers you'll get because you'll ask a question and it's always kind of scary because you ask a question you're thinking, oh my goodness, I hope they paid attention. I hope they have an answer um, and I hope it's not heretical or something scary. And then they answer and often I've learned more about the story from someone I'm telling the story to that I didn't come up with on my own because the Holy Spirit's moving and leading mm-hmm. their heart and teaching right. them things and I get to watch it and then guide the conversation from the other side. Um, and so stories that are really easy to use, Luke 7 is my favorite. Luke 7 and 8 has so many stories, like um, the sinful woman at Simon's house and um, the woman who had been bleeding for um, years and years, 12 years. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just a really powerful method. And then you can share a story in any situation. So if you know the story of Joseph... Mm-hmm. You're able to share that story with someone who's a refugee or who has been abandoned or is hurting in a difficult situation. You can share that story and allow the Holy Spirit to teach them that God is still present and God has a plan and he has not forgotten them.
0: And those kinds of things and it's really cool. That's great. Yeah, it is. There's a really cool podcast too called The Bible Binge. That yes, I'm <laughs> a fellow listener oh, of, never... of it. Of The Bible oh, Binge. And it's so fun and it's they a take lot of fun. stories from the Bible and they cast it like it was a movie or a TV show. So they put, like, actual actors that we know in those positions. So you have a visual. Like, like you're Brad casting Pitt a movie. is what? David. No. <laughs> no, he's Moses. Moses, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so. I love that. <laughs> and then they go through it and they kind of bring up, like, some of these stories, like, we don't really think about. Some of this stuff is crazy. Like, you go, that happened? That's, they did that? That's weird. And then they kind of talk about it and then they talk about, like, what, so, so what, who cares is the application kind of a thing. And yeah. who's the MVP of the story. So it's kind of that same thing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's fun. I, I think it's so important to take scripture and remember that it really happened. And it's true. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to just kind of read it, especially as someone who has been in the church a long time. I, I grew up in the church and I've been a Christian for most of my life, following Jesus on my own. But still, it's easy to read these stories and think, oh, I've read this before. But scripture's alive and active, and it's, the stories are powerful. And most of the world learns through stories. Right. And so just because our culture has a tendency to learn point by point doesn't mean that that's how everyone really learns
0: best. And being an English major, I mean, stories are a big deal to us. Yes, exactly. Well, I was also wondering, when you were a
1: freshman and you were so positively influenced by Haley, did that affect your choice to be an RA your sef- your sophomore year, a resident
2: advisor? Did that Absolutely. bleed into that? Yes. So one of the things that Haley told me, well, first off, as she was teaching me these stories, I was supposed to share them with people throughout the week. So I would share them with my friends, but it also pushed me to practice telling stories and gave me an excuse to share with students who weren't believers or people in my life who weren't believers because I had to tell the story anyway. Um... But she also pushed me to look for someone else to disciple because that's how discipleship is supposed to work.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, in a perfect world, where discipleship was perfect and evangelism was perfect, and people were perfect, exactly, <laughs> um, everyone should be men- like brought up by a mentor and be mentoring someone else because we all are one step ahead, one step ahead of somebody and we're all one right. step behind of somebody. It's not waiting till someone's a master but it's walking through life one step ahead of someone or one step behind. Mm -hmm. And so she challenged me to disciple. And as I was hearing about RA applications, um, which is basically like the big sister on a hall, you enforce rules and leave housing meetings and stuff like that. But at OBU, there's a real emphasis for spiritual life, help and to love on girls and see them and mentor them or help them find a mentor and um, be involved in those more heart kind of things mm-hmm. um, because that's where you live, and so where you live tends to be where the mess comes out, right? Um, and so, as I was praying for applying, people kept saying, "Hey, Emily, you'd be really good at this. You should think about it." And I kept putting it off and telling myself I wasn't going to do it. And then the very last day you could apply, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so I applied and interviewed and I got hired. And Res Life has totally impacted my life and. I've been so blessed to be a part of it. And you not only did it one year, right? Right. I did it my sophomore year and my junior year, and I'm about to go back for my senior year. But in different positions every time, and so it's never gotten boring and never will, that's
0: for sure. <laughs> so <laughs> well, you have a set group of girls that, on your floor that you're in charge of. So you already have a task if these are your girls that you have to mentor.
2: Yes, yes. And I learned the hard way my sophomore year that I'm not capable to mentor all of them. I tried. didn't work very well. <laughs> I was really tired all the time. And um, I learned that I need to trust the body of Christ because God's church is bigger than me. And we need to trust each other um, right. and push each other to be obedient. Because if we're all obedient, people are going to be taken care of. And God hasn't forgotten them. Um, so, yeah, it gives me a clear mark of this, these are girls that I want to invest in and point to Jesus. And so girls that are believers, I get to have really cool conversations with them, reach out to them. And it's been really funny. It's actually kind of fun when, like, they respond positively when I say, hey, do you want to go get lunch? Um, even though I'm their RA, I was worried that would be weird or, like, they wouldn't want to hang out with me or something. <laughs> and some of them are kind of, they don't really want to. But for the most part, girls want to be poured to and they want to be listened to. Mm-hmm. And I get to be a place for that. And so it's really been sweet. It's so good.
0: So So let's go back to transition. Are you good with transitions? Because we're going to talk about a couple of transitions in your life. Um, I would love to talk about them.
2: Um, I am pretty good with the flow and flexible. So I tend to handle them. I just take them on. But sometimes I don't do that very well. I'll either shoulder what's hard Mm -hmm. um, and just pretend like I'm not sad and try to get over it. Um, Or I can be a little bit too much of a mess and pull away and just be quiet and be sad in my own heart and not tell anyone I'm sad. So,
0: your first transition or big one probably was moving to Wasso, right? Yes, yes. And you knew for a whole year without being able to tell anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, were you, I mean, I know you were just going to obey and do what you felt like your parents were saying, this is where God's leading us. But what, inside, were you a little angry? Were you frustrated? Were you just okay with however it was going? I really,
2: I honestly expected to
0: be angry, mm-hmm. but I wasn't. The Lord was
2: so to give me peace about it I was just sad and I had some really sad days like at first the worship at church would start and I would just cry and I couldn't sing music has a tendency to bring out what I'm feeling me um, too I remember that first Sunday didn't <laughs> the first stand Sunday in Owasso on, we, were we on, the front row. on the front row and you just cried the whole time and and Jenny was... McKean was so sweet and she came and put her arm around me oh, and just stood next to me I love I Jenny just put her arm around me um, that was really kind of her. But yeah, it was more just sadness. Mm-hmm. And it also brought out that insecurity of worrying that I wasn't going to be enough and worrying I wouldn't have friends and more worry and sadness than anger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when so once you got here and you started school, how was that?
2: It took a little bit, but it turned out so great. I loved it. I really did. Uh I made friends and I got involved. I was hesitant to get involved at first. Um with some of the activities at school. Like I missed the musical tryouts, for example.
1: Oh, I was so sad. <laughs> I remember you saying, Mom, some things in life are hard and we just have to get over them.
2: <laughs> yeah, my mom was more <laughs> sad than I was.
0: <laughs> I can relate to that.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. But once I did start to really plug in, it gave me a lot more confidence that I was able to. Um, it just took me starting to really go anywhere with it which totally makes sense. You have to start. But as I started, it it gave me confidence to keep trying new things and learning and being willing to not be good at something and trying it anyway. Yeah. So
0: Did you have any special teachers or people that kind of picked you up? or
2: At church or school. Um, I was really touched by my Sunday school teacher, Pam Wilson, who's interviewed, and I don't know if Wilson's yes, at first, she is. will be the episode right before yours. Episode oh. 20 is Pam Wilson, that's right. Everybody listen to it, she's wonderful, uh, but she took me under her wing and paid attention to when I was sad and mm-hmm. cared, um, she was really welcoming to me as a new member of the Sunday school class, and she was really sweet, um, through the transition of moving, so... Her and Miss Allison. Miss Allison, too. She was there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Such sweet ladies. Mm-hmm.
0: So. so then you get through high school, and you come, and it's great, and you come to graduation, senior year? I did. and, and There were lots of ups and downs and
1: difficulties. And- in fact, would you say this was one of those times that was frayed in your life? Yes. My <laughs> senior year? <laughs> yes, it was. Um, so let's talk about that and, and how you made the choice for college and what it looked like for you. So, all through my life, I went to Super Summer,
2: and I thought OBU was the coolest Which place Which, by on the, the way,
1: listeners, um, Super Summer is an amazing discipleship camp that is held every year in Oklahoma on the campus of Oklahoma Baptist University. So,
2: that being said, now carry on.
0: And it's kind of for leaders and right. youth groups and stuff to learn more discipleship.
2: So, it's a great place, great camp, well, a great place, I do love OBU, but I thought, oh my goodness, OBU is the best school in the world. And then I got to my junior year of high school, and I started to catch on that everybody expected me to go to OBU, and that was kind of understood. And your and parents went there, <laughs> and you even and my had grandparents, grandparents went there. that attended And there. my great-grandfather yes. went to OBU, <laughs> and <laughs> literally, I'm not making that up, literally my yeah. great-grandfather went to OBU. True. And I realized that there were other places in the world and I, <laughs> I realized, wow, maybe I don't want to go to OBU. And so I started looking at other schools. And I am really passionate about reaching out to people that are different than me. And I was worried that at OBU, everyone would be just mm-hmm. the same. They'd all be from sweet little Christian homes and cookie-cutter people. And Which, mm-hmm. by the way, is not the case, right? No, it's not. It's not. And I needed to learn that. Um, but you even thought big schools.
1: You thought, look at the, the large state schools mm-hmm. and Even U of A
2: and not staying in state. Yeah, I liked U of A and OU especially. Mm -hmm. Um, But OBU was the only school that gave me a scholarship my senior year. I mean, I got little scholarships, but it was the only one that was significant enough for me to be able to go to school um, and not drown in student loans. Mm -hmm. And so when I got that letter, I knew that that was the Lord's answer. And I I felt the Holy Spirit speak in my heart and tell me this is where I was supposed to go. And I was really mad
0: about it. <laughs>
2: but I felt like I couldn't say that because I needed to be grateful. And your mother
1: was jumping up and down with joy at the time. Yes.
0: <laughs> I remember that. Mama was very excited. Was. Oh, yes. And Emily was not. No. you and Gwen were kind like of. it was such boat. an
1: answer to prayer. That we had prayed that God would show us by the scholarship. Whatever scholarship he had opened up. When he was so faithful to do that. Yes.
2: I just didn't like the answer.
1: <laughs> and so... Sounds like a familiar story. It does sound very McCoy, familiar. Like mm-hmm. Episode number 18, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I remember driving in my car to go get another scholarship thing signed, and I just found out the day before that I had gotten accepted to OVU, and I was praying, Lord, I'm just not happy about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wasn't, and it took me until I started school to really be able to appreciate where God had brought me and that he had made a way. Um, and it took me starting school to realize that my biggest problem was my pride. Uh, my pride that I didn't want to go there, but also my pride that I thought I was going to be the missionary in this public college and I was ready. And I'm <laughs> so ready to take the gospel to the last place and make a life and be, beat my own path through the jungles. I was ready. Um, and I got to OBU and I realized, wow, there are people who know a lot more about God than I do. There are people who live by faith a lot better than I do. And I have so much to learn. And then my freshman year, my first semester, I actually really struggled with doubt of what do I really believe. And it was so good, but it was really hard. Mm -hmm. And at OBU, I had the people and I had the resources to walk me through that. Um, And not that those resources aren't at other places. They are. But where the Lord had me, I had them where I
0: needed them. You had them in classes.
2: Yeah, I had them in classes. And I had them through Haley and through other friends that I made that were patient with me and prayed with me. And it was so sweet um, because God made himself known to me at OBU that J-term day in my dorm room. Um, And since then, I've had so much peace about him and just my salvation and being confident that he is God and I am one of his. Um, And I needed that. I needed to be at OBU. And it turns out not everyone's the same. Even at OBU. <laughs> and there are actually lots of people who don't know Jesus and who are right. seeking answers. and who Not everybody at OBU is even a Christian. Yeah, exactly. And that's my mission field. And my mission field gets to be discipleship of believers and spending time and loving people who don't know Jesus. And they're not all cookie cutters. It's been so beautiful.
0: Okay, so you just got back yesterday from Columbia. Yes, I did. Tell us a little bit about that. How long were you there?
2: I was there for a little over three weeks, so a pretty good amount of time. I really appreciate going for a little longer because you really get to know a place and people you're working with. Um, And I went with a group from OBU, which was really cool. Um, Our team met all semester, so we knew each other. We knew each other fairly well, and then we got to go serve together, which was really cool.
0: When did, was that
2: through OBU? Yes, yeah. So we are we were a group of university students with a mentor from the university. Uh, and they it's through the, it was called the Global Outreach Organization at OBU. And it's such a cool program. And so as a community of students who are all going on trips, we meet with other students going on trips and have an orientational semester. And so it'll just be one hour a week. And occasionally we won't have it, but normally one hour a week of talking about, I don't know, even just like safety measures and mm-hmm. how to go through airport security and how to handle culture shock and those kinds of things that sometimes you with other trips you don't encounter until you get there. Right, And so they try to do that. They try to change that by talking about those kinds of things beforehand. And it's super effective.
0: What's your day-to-day look life look like there?
2: So there in Colombia, we were working with Venezuelan refugees um, that are being served in a program at a church in Rioacha, Colombia, which is in the north part of Colombia. So if you haven't heard, there's a really large refugee crisis that's happening in Venezuela. Um, the country's yes. economy is falling apart, and mm-hmm. it's really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. People are fleeing the country by the millions. And their money is worthless. Uh, and it's a really difficult and dangerous place right now. So we are working with people who are fresh off that trek of leaving. Rio is one of the three destinations that people are escaping to, mm-hmm. the three main ones. People are spreading out all over, the, uh, all over the world. Pretty much by foot. Is that their only mode of transportation, mostly? Yes. So first, a couple of years ago, there was a wave of immigrants that left who were higher up in society, like doctors and lawyers and right. those kinds of people, and they had more money to fly out or take buses and stuff. But now the lower classes are fleeing, and they don't have money for buses and things, so they're just walking. Um, and some people are walking across mountains, and they've never seen snow before, and now they're in freezing temperatures and those kinds and of things. And their flip-flops and their T-shirts, right? Yeah, yeah. So those people are mainly exiting the country more in the southern part, and they're entering into Kukuta, which is a city on the border of Colombia and Venezuela. But um, the people we were working with, some of them had been in the city of where we were in Colombia for a year. Some of them had been there for a couple of months. Some had been there for a couple weeks. Um, so they're all very new to this place, and they've lost their homeland. So day, our day-to-day was we would go to this church. Uh, we had to be there at around 7 a.m., and kids would start getting there. And then there was a little sermon time where the pastor would share the gospel or share a Bible story with the kids at 8 a.m. and then they would all have breakfast and so breakfast and lunch are provided for these Venezuelan children um, and also education is provided for them through this program because Venezuelan immigrants if they don't have the right papers they can't go into the schools and so many of these children haven't had education for a couple of years um, or at least a couple of months and so they're getting another part of loss yes yes and it perpetuates problems because if they can't read then that they have a hard time getting a job. And,
0: those and sometimes they're separated from their families, right? Like it might just be a dad there or it might be a mom and her kids there.
2: Yes. But not the yes. whole family at one time. Right. And so we saw a lot of that. A lot of children without dads that would we talk about their families and they would say, my dad's still in Venezuela mm-hmm. or my dad is in Ecuador. Um, and so they aren't even just apart. They're worlds apart. Right. And it's really sad. Um, some of their families have been broken apart through death or through violence also, which is really difficult, um, some people have been imprisoned without reason, um, and they're separated mm-hmm. from their families, and they just can't. Quinn
0: accept. and I went there on mission several years ago to Venezuela before it was shut down. And we I know somebody from Venezuela that he's in um, Argentina right now, but trying to raise money to bring his family over. They're still in Venezuela because he can't mm-hmm. get them over there with him until he has a job and money.
2: Yeah. That's really a common thing. Uh, and it's, it's what a scary, hard time. Yeah. It's so hard to understand because it's, it's not something they've done to themselves. Right. And that's what's so painful to see is it's not like, oh, well, they were just lazy and they earned it. or These things have been out of their control and they are living in the product of something that's not their fault.
0: Yeah. And, and they're really, hardworking people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and also they're, a lot of them have gone through such hard trauma that they're reacting in ways that aren't logical because they need counseling and they need the gospel and they need to know that what they've experienced is hard and they need to be listened to. Um, And so we were able to take some trauma healing training and share that with the church and with some of the parents of the Venezuelan children, which was so powerful. Um, And we're praying that God would use that because God cares about their trauma. It's not Absolutely. wasted tears. Right. It's,
0: God's not just in America. No, he's oh, everywhere. That's
2: right. And that was something that God showed me on this trip because there was one day that I was translating the story of Jesus feeds the 5,000. And our little saying for the day was, Jesus has the power to meet our needs. And as I read that story in the, in the morning, I was praying and thinking, Lord, how can I tell these kids that you're going to meet their needs when they've been starving? Um, the children we were working with were all smaller than they were supposed to be. They're all malnourished. Some of their hair is falling out because they've been so malnourished. And it's just really hard to see. Um, and I really wrestled with that. And the Holy Spirit said, Emily, I'm not meeting their needs how you want me to meet their needs, but they're being fed today and they're alive. And I was like, wow, Lord, do you see them. Mm-hmm. And you're still good. And you're making your appeal to them through this little church that's so tiny in Riwacha because they're able to come and be fed and have an education and hear that Jesus loves them. And the Lord's been showing me that he is still good even when it doesn't look like situations are good. He's still in the middle of it. And though I would never say wow, it's such a good thing this refugee crisis is happening. Mm -hmm. People are coming to faith in Christ. And I've heard that the missionaries that we're working with have said that Venezuelans have never been more open to the gospel and that churches are being planted like crazy because people that are leaving Venezuela, their attendance in those churches has reached the numbers that they were before people left. And so Venezuelans that are still in the country are coming to faith in Christ and filling the churches where people have left, spaces Wow, And people who were in Venezuela who were leaders are now leading and starting churches in Colombia. And so people are responding and hearing the word of God mm-hmm. in ways that they wouldn't have if
0: nothing would have happened. What is the religion normally in the area you were? Is it Catholic or? Well, that's a hard question because in the area we were
2: was with Colombians, but we were primarily focused on Venezuelans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say typically it's like a Catholic and evangelical mix. Um, but there's a lot of just apathetic, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, kind of like there is here mm-hmm. to an extent. So that's a typical religion. but
1: it really tenders my heart to hear about the suffering. And I agree with what you said that it, it is difficult, so difficult, but that it's, there's a strange kind of beauty in how God uses suffering to draw, people to himself and to meet their needs and to open their eyes to the gospel. So I, I don't understand. I don't understand why so much pain and suffering and, and it's still happening. Like right this moment today, those Venezuelan children are still in that same little church. They're still there today. And, and we wish we could do something right now today for them. And but God sees them mm-hmm. and God knows that they are, his precious loved children, so we can trust that God's bigger than we ever will understand
2: He is. So, and so, one of the things that was so great about this trip is, even though, yeah, we couldn't take the children home and we couldn't fix it, right? Uh, we were able to encourage the people who are loving these children day in and day out because we were able to go in for two weeks and do basically two weeks of VBS, and we were there a couple days before. Um, just, like, experience it and go to the school and see what it was like. Um, If any listeners don't know what
1: VBS stands for, it's Vacation Bible School, which is just taking them all kinds of things like crafts and games and Bible stories and songs and activities, right?
2: Mm -hmm. And so um, typically they have a school day, but we were their summer vacation. So we were two weeks of fun and games and stories and dancing we taught them some line dances it was really <laughs> fun the cha-cha slide's a lot harder if you don't understand english though I will say.
0: <laughs> they were really confused to <laughs> the left yeah that would be
2: because there's no pattern and so they were really frustrated <laughs> but they caught onto the other dances much better so the children are still there but we got to encourage the people who are loving them still Uh, and let them know that what they're doing is important and that God sees their work. It was a work of the Lord that we were able to go to this little program and help them because it was started by a woman who grew up in Columbia and is really passionate about children and helping take care of children and telling them the gospel. And so she has created her own foundation through donations and through government help, Mm -hmm. and they provide the breakfast and lunch for the children every day. Monday through Friday, and and it's ages three through eleven, and they also feed nursing mothers and pregnant mothers. Um, and what's the name of the program or the foundation that she founded? Um, I I know it in Spanish. It's like the what uh, is it in Spanish? El Fundación de Salvación de los Niños, or something like that. So the foundation for the salvation of children, or something along those lines. And um, it's just in this local church. So it's really small, and we were supposed to go to a different city. And someone took a picture of what was happening at that program and sent it to a missionary that's with the IMB, mm-hmm. um, who's in Colombia right now. And there was a mix-up with our trip, and there were actually two teams that were being told the same information for the same trip. And they didn't need two teams to go. They needed one. And so they asked our team to go to this other church. And serve with this ministry that we didn't know existed until a couple months before we were supposed to leave. And so obviously, God stepped in. God sent you yep. there. Yeah. And the pastor and Veldkies, the woman who founded this um, program, they said that it was an answer to their prayers because they had been asking the Lord to send a team uh, of encouragement. And we got to do that.
0: That's amazing. It is amazing.
2: And it was because of a <laughs> so picture great. someone sent.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Doesn't it just give us a glimpse that, that God has this huge puzzle and we don't have a clue of how no. intricately he is putting it all together, yeah. that one person's picture would, would lead to the eventual sending of your team, that God knew that and he orchestrated it and you got to be there for those children
2: exactly as he intended. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. We got to be the eight, the only eight people in all of the world who did what we did this summer.
0: That's so cool.
2: And I it's guess. just, our God is so good with the details. It's mind blowing.
0: I know. Mm-hmm.
2: Especially because I'm really not. <laughs> and so I'm really glad he is. <laughs>
1: well, if you were sitting with a college freshman right now and across from her and looking her in the eye, I would like for you to talk to that young lady and I would like for you to say, here's some important things. Here are some important things that I want to share with you. And it can be anything from dating to schoolwork to stress to friendships or what are some things that you would just like to tell a college freshman who's a rising freshman and, and here they go. Man, those are a lot of categories. <laughs> well, I don't really okay. mean you have to do everything. I just oh, mean yeah, yeah, yeah. pick pick one and and what would you like to say?
2: I would say be willing to try things that make you uncomfortable because it's often when we try new things that we learn the most and it's so much more fun to try something new and laugh while you do it than to just do what you've always done um, and fall into the same routines because There are so many new things to try when you get to college, like flag football. Yeah, like flag football. (laughs) I was terrible, but I made some great friends, and we laughed a lot. Um, Yeah, so intramurals was something specifically that I tried when I got to college, and I had a blast, and I got to play soccer with a group of friends, and we almost won, not because of me, but we almost won, (laughs) and those are just really sweet memories. Um, I would also
0: say don't
2: wait for someone to reach out to you for discipleship to start.
0: Um, so how would you tell somebody to go about looking for somebody? If, if they don't have somebody that comes to them like Haley did with you, what should they do to go find the right person for discipleship?
2: So you want to be careful who you ask to mentor you and who who disciples you because that's a really mm-hmm. big voice of guidance in your life. Um, and so I would encourage you to watch The people in your life, whether you go to a BCM or you're involved with a Bible study at your church or you join a college ministry, um, watch people and see how they live. And if they live a life you want to emulate, then that might be someone to pray about asking. Um, and then just approach them and say, Hey, I'm looking for someone to mentor me uh, and go through life with me. Would you be interested? Um, Because there is so much power in making your desire known to someone. Mm -hmm. Because often there are girls who would love to pour in to younger girls, but they don't know who to ask and they don't know who wants it. And so then there's this stagnant thing that happens where both people want discipleship, but no one asks. Right. And so if you're a younger college freshman, don't be afraid to be that first mover because it shows that you're willing to go out of your way to make it happen. And that's the first step. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, that's great. Also, it's okay if you don't have the best friends in the world by the end of your first semester. What? You're not going to automatically, magically have the perfect (laughs) set of friends by the end of your first semester? You really might not. You really might not? And you might have great friends that you take really cute pictures with for Instagram, but it might take a little bit longer for them to be deep, deep heart friends that you're going to have forever. Right. Right. There's wisdom in that. There was... I had some really sweet friendships, and I had a lot of fun my first semester. But there were also moments that I was in my room, that I would just feel really lonely and I didn't know why.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and it was because the Lord has to be my first comfort. Right. We, I can't find my identity in people, and I try that so often, and it doesn't work. The Lord has to be my first comfort. But also, friendships take time, and that's okay.
0: And Quinn touched on that too that I don't think people realize that starting out at a new place, you're going to have those moments of loneliness, even though there's thousands of people surrounding you. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have times that you're lonely.
2: I think that almost made me more lonely at times Mm -hmm. because it's easy to play the comparison game and look around and see, well, everyone has their group of friends already and everyone's clicking so well and I just don't fit. And being lonely is normal. Yeah. I don't mean to sound doom and gloom, but it's normal. But everybody's feeling it. Yeah, yeah.
1: And sometimes when we're lonely, that's when we are the most attentive to what god is trying to tell us sometimes our loneliness is a good catalyst for drawing us closer to the lord and letting us recognize our need for jesus even more and it's it's not a bad thing and in those
2: moments of loneliness it takes initiative to step up because especially in like a first year college kind of thing Mm -hmm. almost everyone feels lonely and so it's better to speak up and invite someone over or take a risk and invite someone to do something, then just all go back to your dorm rooms and all be lonely in separate rooms. Right. Might as well speak up and ask someone to go be lonely with you so you're not lonely anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. That's great. So tell us some things that you're loving and that you're – or resources that you have for people. Well, I have really enjoyed the Porch podcast series from the Porch Ministries.
2: It's out of Watermark Church in Dallas. And they have a really awesome young adult ministry called The Porch, and their sermons are just really targeted towards young adults and what young adults are struggling with. And they're really scripture-focused and gospel-centered, and they're wonderful. Because there are a lot of topics that sometimes get overlooked in church Mm -hmm. that really young adults need to hear and need to talk about. Whether it's relationships or anxiety or how to handle cultural norms that aren't what should be normal as a believer. And so even there's one about self-care and how we can handle self-care in a way that's good and healthy because self-care is important, but it can't be an idol. And so it's like that balance, that balance. like mm-hmm. willing to be uncomfortable for, because being a Christian is called being uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. But also taking care of ourselves and, yeah, lots of good ones. So um, I also have really enjoyed the book Single Dating, Engaged, Married by Ben Stewart. Oh, have good. you guys ever read that? I, I not. Single, dating, engaged, married. Why mm. would you recommend that one? It talks about the four different stages and how they're different. I actually haven't finished it because I'm not engaged, so I'm not reading The Married yet.
1: Until. So, But you
2: are dating. <laughs> I am dating, and I'm always scared to call things into existence before they are, but thinking about being engaged, you know, <laughs> dreaming a little bit, we'll put it that way. Okay, it's um, a good way to put it. But it has some really good wisdom about embracing each stage that you're in and not wishing you were in the next one, especially in the the singleness section. It's really good because I think as someone who's dating, there's so much about singleness that can be really sweet. And dating is really just an extension of singleness. If you're not, your soul isn't committed to anyone yet. And it's still just you and the Lord and Mm -hmm. you're getting to know people. And it's a process. It's not a, it's not a, you have your identity into your covenant. Right, yeah. right. It's just, it's a process of figuring out who the Lord might be having you walk next to. So that's a great book. I also love the book Enemies of the Heart by Andy Stanley. So yeah, that book is about how we can change our heart from having these debtor and debt relationships to having healthy relationships that don't make anyone owe us anything. And we don't owe anyone anything because the, like, Jesus paid for it all, so we don't right. need to make these owing relationships. Mm-hmm. That's great. Emily, we just are so
1: thankful that you were willing to spend time with us today, having this great conversation on a Friday night. And you did such a great job sharing your story with us and offering encouragement. So thank you for this. Thank you, and I'm so proud of you, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks for listening. I loved getting to share. Thank you. Well, we sure appreciate Emily coming and being a guest on Afraid Not, and I am very thankful that she spent the time with us today. I just love Emily's heart. I love her passion for people. I love seeing the light in her eyes when she's talking about discipling women and how that, that God has put that in her life as something that He's given her to do. It's pretty exciting to see that as a mom.
0: And I liked one of the things that she said that we need to be willing as Christians to try things that make us uncomfortable. Being a Christian is not always about sitting in our... Most of the time, we're not supposed to be comfortable. So it's important to find those things that make us a little uncomfortable and push us out of our boxes. So we want to thank Emily again for coming and sharing her story and getting to see Proud Mama Robin talk to her. (laughs) So... If you guys will remember to rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. When you rate and review, it helps people, other people to be able to find us. Also, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And we will see you again in a couple weeks. Bye, everyone.